You look real good against them cones, big fella. You are locked on fantasy basketball, your daily podcast on fantasy basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble. Just quickly before we get into things, Basketball Monster is now open for the 2018-19 season so you can go ahead, sign up and get your season-long membership over there. Go and check that out. But we are just about to wrap up the season preview podcast a series, a couple more teams to go. And today we're going to be looking at a team that's had quite a significant change in the offseason in a couple of different ways, and that is the Toronto Raptors. So to speak about the Toronto Raptors, I'm joined by the host of the Locked On Raptors podcast, and that is Sean Woodley. Sean, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me on, Josh. There's a lot to talk about with this uh, with this Raptors team. Uh, we're going to get all into it right now, but we'll start, Sean, by talking about the projected record. You have gone with a 57-25 and 25 record, which is above the Vegas over under 54.5. I personally think that 54 is also a little bit low. Um, the Raptors obviously won you know, close to the 60 games last season. You're still projecting a step back from that, but um, can you think of any rationale behind the, the, the almost six-game drop in that Vegas total? Yeah, not really, because all they really did was replace DeMar DeRozan, who's a very good basketball player and a guy who they're going to miss from like a culture perspective and all that stuff. But they're replacing him with Kawhi Leonard, who's a top five player when healthy. And I I mean, from all the reports that we've heard right now, Kawhi seems to be doing pretty well in his offseason workouts, seems to be looking good. And there don't seem to be any red flags that are poking out right now with regards to his health. And I think, you know, any sort of inkling that there was that maybe he wasn't going to come to Toronto seemed totally in the past now and kind of ridiculous in hindsight. So I don't think there's any reason to not think Kawhi is going to be something resembling what he's been in the past. Obviously, it's hard to just pick off where, pick up where you were a couple of years ago when he's not going to be maybe, you know, a fully, you know, rust-free player until maybe, you know, a couple months into the season. But he's still really good and he's still an improvement on what the Raptors had last season. You add Danny Green to the mix and you take what was maybe – you know, one of the worst sets of defensive wings in the league and turn it into maybe the best with Kawhi, Danny Green, and now OG Ananobi probably forming the top three of that wing, you know, rotation. Like, that is just, it's so hard to describe, I think, how much better they're going to be defensively in that particular spot over DeMar DeRozan, who, for all of his virtues, was one of the worst wing defenders in the entire NBA. And then you factor in just, you know, the, the, the young guys getting better. This was a thing that I think was kind of slept on a little bit even before the trade, uh, was that, you know, the guys like Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi and DeLon Wright and Fred Van Vliet, like these guys are all probably going to be, if not the same as they were last year, a little bit better. So I think that you can just kind of build in a little bit more internal growth there. And this should be a team that wins a bunch of games. And you factor in as well that the bottom of the Eastern Conference is just loaded with teams who are going to be ripe for just blowout wins and garbage time wins and stuff like that. I just think there's no way this team shouldn't win close to what they won last year. I, you know, when I filled up the sort of the questionnaire you gave us to, to prepare for this, I said 57 because 
you know, I, 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 I just the, the, the Kawhi question obviously is still a thing you got to consider and maybe he's not fully prepared and maybe just sort of the uh, transition to a new head coach and Nick Nurse and just sort of the big change in terms of the locker room. Maybe there's a little bit of time for it to even out a little bit and for the chemistry to build or whatever. But I think talent wise, this team is just much better than it was last year. So it shouldn't win, you know, anywhere close to 50 games. It should be closer to 60 and I would not be shocked at all if they went over 60. I can't argue really with any of that. There's, you know, this team I think did get better, and yeah, there's going to be some question marks with the head coaching, with Nick Nurse replacing Dwayne Casey. We'll talk about that in a sec, but let's let's talk about Kawhi now. He is the guy you have projected as the leading scorer. We know everything that happened with Leonard last. Well, actually, not sure. We don't know everything that happened with Kawhi, but we haven't. <laughs> we know that he didn't play. We know he only played the nine games, but. All reports are that he is coming in. He's healthy. He's looking good. He's going to be playing in Toronto. And his um, his rank and ADP on sites is about at the 12 mark. And that is people getting really scared about the injury. Now, he was a top five guy for the previous two seasons in San Antonio. And I think there's a significant chance that he plays actually more minutes in Toronto than he played in San Antonio. It might only be one extra minute, but that's enough to have him in that top five to eight range. And if you've got a pick at the back end of the first round and Kawhi Leonard's there anywhere between yeah, 8 and 12, you take him. And if you're picking at 11 and 12, there's a massive and a really big significant chance that Kawhi is going to be available in that area. He's 27 years of age. Again, I do think the minutes marginally rise. It's not like Toronto's really been a team that's been you know, significantly limiting players. Yes, different head coach, but Nurse was still on that staff. So I don't think they're going to be looking at keeping Kawhi at 30 minutes a night or anything along those lines. We know he can score. He's shown an improvement in his passing, the steals, all that sort of stuff. He's going to be he's going to be fantastic, and he is an excellent option at the end of a first round. Um what what do you think about you know Kawhi coming here? Do you have any hesitation at all with you know maybe his level of performance with this this quad injury, which again is still a concern because it is a an injury that was considered somewhat degenerative, but the reports mm-hmm. that have been really positive. Yeah, I mean, maybe for the long-term health of his career, it's concerning. But I think for this season alone, especially after taking a season off, and I'm no doctor, but it seems like things are kind of all ready to go with him. And just from you know the perspective of what he's going to do on this Raptors team and how he's going to be used and how you know the opportunity that's going to be there for him, like, yeah, I think he will play a few more minutes than maybe he did with the Spurs. Although last season they did kind of try to keep the minutes down a little bit. Kyle Lowry famously you know had like five minutes a game shaved off his his per game totals and you know that ultimately resulted in him being healthy come playoff time for the first time in like four years and it worked out really well the Cavs series you know the game four the Cavs series not really withstanding Lowry was particularly good in the playoffs and I think you know he kind of raised himself out of the gutters that he was in in terms of like all-time shooting percentage and stuff like that in the playoffs because he was kept fresh so I think the Raptors will try to keep Kawhi's minutes to you know not a minimum but they're not gonna you know roll him out there for 38 minutes a game I don't think we'll see that at all And then if you just look at how the Raptors played offense last season, they were a top five offense after changing the way they played and sort of adopting Nick Nurse's system of free flowing ball movement, all this stuff. And I just think Kawhi is going to kind of fill in what DeMar did in that offense just and just do it better. You know, DeMar is not a three-point shooter. He can't pull up. He can't catch and shoot. It's, you know, hit or miss. He'll have a month where he's hot. And then the rest of the season is kind of, you know, you're wishing why that one – you're wondering why that one month was just such an aberration. Kawhi has been like a 40% three-point shooter for the last I don't know how many years at this point. And, you know, the, the things that he can do in terms of, you know, shot creation are just like more refined than what DeMar ever had. DeMar is great once again, but just Kawhi is a different level of player. So you inject that guy who's just a more talented version of on offense of what DeMar was. And it just it doesn't really 
it should be a pretty seamless fit. And I think Kawhi is going to work really well in that. He's played in a motion offense before with the Spurs, and I'm sure Nick Nurse is going to try to get him his touches because this season is going to be about sort of showing Kawhi that this is a place he can be the best player and win. So I'm sure there will be a bit of offense seated to him. And I think they'll be okay with that because Kyle Lowry was excellent last year, as I mentioned, not really being the go-to playmaker. And they had him kind of hang off the ball quite a bit. When he was in with Fred Van Vliet and DeLon Wright, he would hang off the ball as well. And you can have a starting five where... You know, mo- much of the offense runs through Kawhi. You know, you sort of get Kawhi his touches and get him his looks and you make him happy while also keeping Kyle Lowry fresh and in a position off the ball where he's really, really excellent. I, I think that's it's just going to be a really nice, seamless fit for Kawhi in this offense. And it's just going to be a more refined, more efficient version of what DeMar was. So, yeah, I, I think the opportunity and just the, 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 the fit within what Nick Nurse is going to do, because there's no reason to change the offense all that much from what it was last year. I just think that it's going to be a really, there's a lot of potential for Kawhi to put up some monster numbers this season. Yeah, look, there's an argument you can make that he could be a top four player this coming season in fantasy, and you know, getting him at the end of the first round is going to be pretty significant. Um, and I think that's something, I know he's a guy that I've gotten a lot of mock drafts, and I've got him in actual drafts, and I'm pretty interested to see how this works out. But if we want to talk breakout player on this team, you have gone with the Jedi, OG Ananobi. Hello there. So, OG... Um, yeah, he played really well as a rookie last season. We're aware of that. He didn't put up many numbers. In fact, he was only the 304th ranked player last season in 20 minutes per game. But I really believe in this guy's long-term potential, even from a fantasy perspective. His defensive numbers were nowhere near what they were uh, in college, especially the block rate. But in terms of looking at OG for this season, what are you, what are you looking at with, with him in terms of role, uh, in terms of playing time? Yeah, you know, I, I think that there's I think they should be looking at him as a starter and playing him alongside Kawhi in that uh, in that front court and maybe moving a Serge Ibaka to the bench who had uh, con- some considerable issues at times last season. But regardless of if he starts or not, yeah, you know, you're going to see his role move forward this season. So w- what are you looking at in terms of a minutes type role for Ananobi for this coming year? It's going to be tough because there are so many wings on this team that I think everyone's minutes are going to kind of take a hit from maybe where they would sh- they should be or where they would be on a team with fewer wings. But I think, you know, we'll see it go up from the 20 he was at last year. I think he was too valuable to have him on the bench for too long. You know, I think probably 24, 25 minutes a game was what we should be looking at. And if he continues the, the three-point shooting, which like was kind of a surprise last season, to be honest, and he started the season incredibly hot and kind of tailed off near the end of the year before getting hot once again, sort of near the, after the All-Star break near the end of the season, if that sort of you know, maintains and he can kind of, you know, stabilizes like a 38, 39% three point shooter, then there's going to be a ton of opportunity in this offense for him to get a bunch of open looks because I, I, I just think the amount of gravity that Kyle Lowry has, just the, the, the obvious, the obvious offensive threat that Kawhi is, there are going to be shots that open up for OG Ananobi. This has been an offense for many years, which has been really prone to, you know, double teams and traps and things like that that have forced the team to make, you know, decisions in the four on three and have, you know, balls come to guys who maybe you wouldn't expect to be go-to options. But I think that's going to only be amplified with Kawhi in the lineup this season as opposed to DeMar because DeMar, just once again, not as good as Kawhi Leonard. And I think we'll see teams sort of adjust their thinking with this team to, to go around that. And they'll be daring guys like OG to hit shots and I think I I really believe in OG's ability to do that and then you mentioned the defensive end like 
that dude is going to get a lot of steals. That dude is going to, I think, you mentioned the block, right? That that kind of startled me last last year a little bit as well. Um, and, you know, I'm curious to see how he can kind of work that in. Maybe if he's playing the four a little bit more, playing closer to the basket, maybe he'll get more opportunities for stuff like that. Um, but as far as steals go, I think he's going to pick up a ton of them. The amount of times that, that that dude just, like, strips a ball off a guy and runs it down for a transition dunk or, or starting a, a fast break opportunity, it happens all the time. And I think it's only going to become more frequent as he plays more often and just gets more refined as a defender and he was already pretty refined coming in for for a rookie and also I think there might be a chance for him to kind of flex his muscle as a bit of a playmaker as well he didn't have a very high assist rate last season and he didn't have that many opportunities a lot of his you know touches were just catch and shoot threes and that was about it but if there's one area in which Kawhi is maybe a little bit less dangerous than DeMar it's as a playmaker I think and maybe that's just you know me being you know biased to having seen DeMar sort of grow as a playmaker over the last couple of seasons but I think DeMar really sort of was underrated in the way he set guys up and he had a career high assist rate last season and things like that I think we'll see maybe Kawhi not be quite the playmaker that DeMar was. That'll open up some opportunities for other guys to make some plays here and there. And maybe they'll try to spread the wealth a little bit as far as, you know, creating offense goes. And and OG didn't have a ton of opportunities last season, but there were a few flashes where he would drive off of, you know, attacking a closeout and just make a beautiful dump off pass or a beautiful, you know, drive and kick pass that you didn't really expect to see from him in his first year, especially considering he had like no development coming in. And that's another thing too. I think with a full season of development and, and working out this summer as opposed to rehab he was doing last summer to get back uh, prematurely, I'll, I'll, I might add, for the start of the season, I think we're just going to see him be a much more refined player who's not just out there as a hired gun to stand in the corner and shoot threes. He's going to be asked to be more of an active part of the offense and then on defense, like I said, and, and like you mentioned. like He's just he's got a lot of instincts there, and I think that's going to translate into stuff that will have fantasy value. He's a guy that you know, probably does have you know, quite a bit of upside. It all is going to depend on what that role is, whether it's playing 24 minutes or, or playing 30 minutes, and that's going to be an impact guy. So you can have a look at a late pick in a draft. Again, there's probably not a huge amount of usage to go around, but as I you know, consistently stress on this podcast, usage means field goal attempts, free throw attempts, and turnovers. It doesn't mean rebounds. It doesn't mean assists. It doesn't mean steals. It doesn't mean blocks. It doesn't mean what percentage you're shooting. So you know, that gets overlooked somewhat in terms of uh, in fantasy value. So you can be a low usage guy and still put up valuable numbers if you bring in those defensive stats. I think he's interesting to look at as a last guy, ranked 194th on Yahoo. I think he can be a top 150 guy, and I think his peak is probably a top 50 player in the next couple of seasons. So obviously some value there with uh, with the Jedi. The two-way guys, there's only one guy signed at the moment, the guy with uh, the same name as my brother, Jordan Lloyd, who played some um, minutes in Summer League, but uh, I don't think we're going to be seeing too much out of uh, Jordo at this point. So let's uh, let's talk about Sean, the uh, the new coach, Nick Nurse here, replacing Dwayne Casey. He comes in from uh, an assistant coach. A lot of the other assistant coaches did leave the Raptors. So what are we looking at? You've already mentioned the change in style they did last season, more threes, more ball movement. With more players coming in, like Kawhi, Danny Green, who shoot more threes, are we going to be looking at a higher-paced, up-tempo, three-point shooting type team as opposed to what we saw under Casey? Yeah, I think we'll probably see that. And we saw the beginnings of that, I think, last season as they you know started to build towards a new offense. And I think 
Nurse is just going to add that stuff up. That guy, he was the coach of the Rio Grande Valley Vipers, the Rockets uh, the farm team, the 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 D League team a few years ago, and was very much part of the wave of like, let's just shoot all of the threes, and we'll probably make a bunch of them and win. Uh, and it worked pretty well, I believe. He won a title when he was with coaching with Rio Grande. So that is something I think he'll probably work to sort of incorporate a little bit more into the offense this season. And honestly, it might not look that different. Like I said, and I think if that doesn't look different, it's going to be a top five offense and that's something you want to have um i think honestly the bigger change we'll see with nurses on defense and just sort of in how he manages his, his rotations and that could hurt some guys it could boost some guys up but the way Dwayne casey ran his rotations was very very sort of staunch and rigid and didn't really change from game to game he didn't really adapt and you know for the regular season that's pretty good that's a pretty good way to go about it because it leads to a lot of consistency guys know exactly when they're coming in they get into a rhythm much easier and we saw what happened last year or years prior where the bench unit goes insane the starters are really effective over the course of the season and that leads to them winning a ton of games and sort of overshooting what the preseason projections would have been maybe nurse is not going to be quite like that i think he's going to be a lot more experimental we'll see some weird lineups out there i think we'll see some pascal siakam playing center at times for example i think we'll see a lot of serge Ibaka at center we'll see a lot of really big wing lineups with Kawhi, OG, and Danny Green. Uh, I think we'll see a lot of Kawhi, OG, and uh, and Pascal Siakam playing together. That's going to be more, I think, of a defensive monster of a lineup than maybe on offense, but it all kind of adds up. And I, I just think that's the thing to look for with Nurse this season is experimentation. Maybe it's a little bit more of an up and down sort of look for end of bench guys like Greg Monroe, for example, or DeLon Wright or Fred Van Vliet. Maybe they don't quite play the same regular consistent roles that they would under Dwayne Casey, but they'll, 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 they'll get their opportunities when it works and when matchups sort of, you know, fit them, they'll get opportunities. That's kind of what I envision from Nick Nurse. So, and in terms of like how like guys that might benefit from him, I think Jonas Valanciunas is someone you should watch out for. I think he really, really likes Jonas. I think last year we saw Jonas kind of improve from he was almost kind of a nothing as a playmaker and a passer, and that was sort of the big hang up with his game is they'd throw it to him in the post and he'd go to work and he would never make a pass out. He was either you know going up for a bucket, he was missing or getting fouled, and it worked sometimes, but it wasn't the most efficient way to play offense. And I think we saw last year as Nurse's offensive principle kind of crept into what the Raptors did we saw Jonas you know move drastically away from the post-up heavy sort of style of offense that he would play and he was just much more of a pick and roll guy who was picking out guys on the roll in the corners he was just a much more efficient scorer and he's always been one of the better roll men in the league in terms of efficiency and if you can cut out the the post-ups like that it's just going to make a more efficient player and we saw a lot of him sort of you know initiating stuff with dribble handoffs and stuff like that working from the elbows a little bit and I think that's just only going to continue to grow and you know with again without DeMar maybe there's a little bit of a sort of vacuum in playmaking to be filled in maybe Kawhi doesn't soak up the same usage that DeMar did because DeMar was always near about 30 percent in terms of usage so maybe it's spread around spread around a little bit more and Jonas will just be able to kind of go to work on offense in a little bit a little bit more of a creative way and one thing too that you should maybe sort of keep in mind with Jonas is that with the defensive dudes the Raptors have, Jonas is going to be a lot less prone to getting beat at the rim and getting beaten pick and roll coverage. And, you know, one of the things that you would watch in a Raptors game and just go mad watching was him and DeMar trying to defend a pick and roll. If you throw Kawhi or Danny Green into that pick and roll, it becomes a lot more easy for Jonas to just kind of hang back. There's less risk of penetration and all that stuff. So he's going to have, I think, less of a active role in the defense. He's just going to kind of be there as a last, you know, line of defense in case any of the 
crazy wings on the perimeter, let their man slip by, and he's just going to have to be at the rim, which he's always been pretty good. So I think there's going to be a lot more minutes for Jonas because, A, Jakob Pertl's gone. He's not there anymore. There's a, a sort of a, a lack of depth at center, and there's just going to be less opportunity for him to play himself out of games by being too slow defensively because it won't be that much of a problem when you have Kawhi and OG and Pascal Siakam and Danny Green kind of roaming the perimeter around him. So under Nick Nurse, again, Nick Nurse has talked a lot about how liking Jonas a lot. I think we'll see him really kind of go up in value this season. I agree on Jonas. He was the 73rd ranked player last season in only 22 minutes per night. I've constantly been on the Casey has underplayed Valanchunas bandwagon. Purtle is gone. Of course, Greg Monroe comes in. I don't think Monroe is going to be an every night part of the rotation. I think Valanciunas' minutes do go up as well. I think he's got a chance to be a top 50 guy. He's ranked at 79th on, on Yahoo and getting him around that area, I think is pretty good. Now, could go the other way and maybe Nurse ends up hating him. I don't think that'll be the case, but he could really jump up. If he gets 28 minutes a night, he's a pretty comfortable top 50 player. And I think that's a significantly you know, good bet to have a look at in that you know, 70 to 85 type of range. Because those minutes will go up. He showed he could hit a three. I don't think he'll hit him at 41% or whatever. He hit them at last season. That will probably mm-hmm. uh, uh, yeah, probably drop uh, this coming year. But he rebounds well. He gets you over a blocker game. He's going to score. And I think they are going to get him more minutes this season. So I am interested to see Jonas Valanciunas. I think he's uh, an interesting player. And he is still just only 26 years of age, which is pretty amazing when you think about it. People look at him and like this guy, he's been around for so long. Um, but he's not, he's not that... He's not that old. He's only uh, 18 months older than uh, Pascal Siakam, which I don't think many people mm. would uh, would realize just uh, the age there. And he is he's actually younger than uh, DeLon Wright. Again, again mm-hmm. people don't realize just how young Valanciunas still actually is. Let's uh, talk about the player most likely to be traded just briefly because we don't need to speak about Norman Powell, who I was pretty high on and then found himself out of the rotation last season. They brought in an extra wing this season with Kawhi and Danny Green replacing DeMar DeRozan. So it's going to be pretty hard for Norm to actually uh, step it up from last season. Maybe he can take some of CJ Miles' minutes, but he was uh, he was quite poor last season. Is there any indication that uh, Nurse maybe favors Powell over Miles, or are we just looking at, at Norm on, on the periphery again? Yeah, it's so weird because last season was it was a big disappointment from Norm. Obviously, the growth that the young guys showed and Norm could never really fit into what they were doing, it, it kind of sucked because Norm has bailed the Raptors out in some playoff series, and without him, they probably blow this thing up a lot sooner because of a couple of playoff performances that he had um and they kind of kept it going and they won series because of him sort of turning series just with his ability to sort of slash off the ball and be an outlet for when the offense gets gummy and that did not happen last season he was too telegraphed in his drives he was inconsistent with his shot which has always been kind of an issue and after his rookie season where he shot like 45 percent or something i was always kind of worried that that was going to come back crashing to earth and it kind of has and he just never had any confidence. So I, I'm not totally ready to just, like, give up on Norm. Would I be shocked? Like, okay, Danny Green and C.J. Miles are good players. They're probably not what they used to be. C.J. Miles was an absolute liability defensively last season. And Danny Green can kind of run hot and cold. Would I be stunned if by the end of the season we look at Norm as the third wing in this rotation behind OG and, Ka- and Kawhi Leonard? I wouldn't be totally shocked by that. I think it's going to be tough for that role to be carved out because you, you have, the Raptors so often will play two point guards and that shooting guard spot's filled in by DeLon Wright or Kyle Lowry or Fred Van Vliet. So the, the, there's a block blockage there from that angle as well for Norm. But I still believe in his talent. I believe that he's a useful player. And I think 
sort of his defensive upside is has still always been pretty strong. That was one thing I noticed about him last season was even when his offense wasn't working and it was not working on most nights, he was still not sort of sandbagging it on the other end. He was putting in the work. He was getting steals. He was, you know, staying on ball, which is a thing that most of the Raptors uh, wing defenders had a lot of trouble doing last year. So it was nice to see. But and he could just never really carve anything out in such an inconsistent role. And maybe Nurse tries to get him worked in. Maybe they try to work him in to make him more of a sexy trade asset instead of, you know, having to, you know, offload him attached to an asset to get rid of him. Maybe they can kind of get him some minutes, show that he's worth a team taking on for, you know, a second round pick or something. And maybe that's how they played. I'm not really sure. But considering the inconsistency that Miles and Green have both had gone through the last couple seasons, I, I still think there's a window here for Norm to get in. And, and like, they obviously believe in him. And, it, like, he... It's so cliche, but like that dude works incredibly hard. He really sort of uh, idolized Demar Derozan for how hard he worked, and we've we've seen what Demar has done. You know, starting as a very raw prospect and just working his butt off to get where he got, and he became a very good player out of it. And Norm has that exact same sort of mindset. And like, I don't. It's really hard to bet against that guy. I really got to say, like, I I just every time I want to write him off, he'll do something that it's like, yeah, there's like something here, and they paid him for a reason. So. I, I I'm not ready to say he's going to be a total non-factor. I guess that's the way I'd put it. I wouldn't say like I I would guarantee he's going to have regular minutes. I think it's probably more likely than not that he that he will sort of be that fifth wing and not really play. And maybe they'll try to shop him around and, and trade him somewhere. But I, I still think there's always an inkling of me that thinks Norm has a bigger role within this team. And maybe injuries crop up. Maybe something happens where he gets a, a shot and maybe he can run with it. He's run with it in the past. I wouldn't bet him against, but wouldn't bet against him doing it again. Your projected starting five is a little different to how I would uh, look at it. You've gone with Kyle Lowry, Kawhi Leonard, OG Ananobi, Serge Ibaka, and Yaris Valanciunas. Personally, I would have Danny Green in there ahead of Ibaka, mm-hmm. but there's many ways that this team can go. They could have Green, Leonard, and Ibaka with OG coming off the bench as well. They could put Valanciunas on the bench and start Ibaka at center, although I think Ibaka's play has significantly declined. We've seen that in his, his block numbers. He makes questionable offensive decisions in terms of shot selection. I think he's really you know fallen off quite considerably in his, in his style of play but let's let's talk about you know this they've got so many different options again in terms of lineup so you know, starters or not it doesn't really matter we, we know the the general minutes of the, the how these guys are going to look in terms of you know playing time you know, where they play it's not a, a massive uh, impact in terms of their value but let's talk Kyle Lowry here who, who you mentioned did take a step back last season played fewer minutes was still pretty strong was the 28th ranked player last season in fantasy Yahoo's gone the other direction they've bumped him up to 19th I don't really understand uh, any any necessity to take Kyle Lowry in that second round area? There are other guys like Drew Holiday, uh, Devin Booker's in that area. John Wall could potentially be in that area. I'd much rather have them over Lowry. I guess the question I'm asking you is, Sean, I think we're we're going to be looking at Lowry again in those in lower minutes, not pushing back to that 35 or 36 per game that he was playing a couple of seasons ago, because he has shown over the course of four to five seasons that his body can't handle that load for six months. Yeah, I think the I think the minutes will be very similar. Honestly, I wouldn't be shocked if the minutes are even taken down a little bit too, because you have Fred, you have Delon Wright on this team, yep. uh, who are who are very deserving of minutes. And if you can keep Kyle fresh, I think that's the ultimate goal. Uh, especially if you have designs on going deep in the playoffs, which I'm pretty sure this team does after making that trade in the offseason. So I do think the minutes will be similar. I also wouldn't be shocked though if Kyle comes down to 29, 30 minutes a game, but is just more of a hired gun to just go out there and gun from three and just be more of a 
high usage part of the offense than he was last year. He took a significant step back in terms of his offensive burden and did a lot of just kind of hanging around off the ball last season, particularly with DeMar on the floor. And sort of DeMar was kind of referred to at times by Dwayne Casey as like the de facto point guard. And like I said, I think Kawhi will do some of that. I think he will be asked to create a lot of offense, but maybe there's some room for that to switch back a little bit and sort of shift towards Kyle as being more the creator. Because if there was a real bugaboo I had with the team last season, it was that they didn't have Kyle with the ball in his hands enough late in games. And he's still a very good player. He's still a dangerous player. He's got incredible gravity as a three-point shooter. No one, I think he was like second or third in the league in threes made last season. Obviously injuries injuries factor into that, but the dude is a high-volume threat who will pull up from anywhere. He doesn't really care, and he's extremely accurate, and he'll go on these heaters where he'll he'll shoot like 55% for a month, and you look up and like he's near the top of the league in three-point percentage. Like this just happens with him. Usually he'll start the season a little slow and and kind of he'll have a crazy December, January stretch where you're just like, oh yeah, Kyle Lowry's amazing. And there's a reason he's been in the top, you know, eight or nine in real plus minus over the last five seasons. Like he's an extremely effective basketball player. And I do think the creation will flip flip back to him a little bit as well, because as I I, I was going to say before I distracted myself, he there were a lot of times last season where late in games, he would just kind of stand around and DeMar and Fred Van Vliet would go to work and Kyle would just be there to, you know, hit catch and shoot threes and play some post defense on dudes and not really be all that much of a a part of the action. And that bothered me because he's still the best creator they had, at least in my mind. And I think if it switches back towards him, I think that's going to be a good thing ultimately because he's very talented. And if you can do that without sort of, you know, wearing him down too much, I think that's something you should try to do. And again, like I think maybe we'll see his minutes scale back even a little bit more than they were last year, but he'll just be more prone to being the main guy in the offense, whether he's playing with bench units, whether he's playing with Kawhi, I don't think it's really going to matter. Kyle is... uh, People kind of sleep on how good this dude is, and given the opportunity to put up bigger numbers, I think he will. Yeah, I think he's got a chance to increase marginally on what he did last season, but there is also that chance those minutes do drop. I think he's pretty solid in that third-round type of area. I just wouldn't be reaching inside the top 20 to grab Kyle Lowry. The last member of this starting five that we haven't talked about really is Serge Ibaka, who played a tick over 27 minutes last season, was the 89th-ranked player Averaged 12.5 and 6.5 and, and those blocks, as I mentioned, which were up around 3 per game in his heyday in Oklahoma City, down to 1.3. Some questionable shot selection. He does take threes. He doesn't take them necessarily in a high volume, but he can shoot them. And I think that he is a player that heads into this season as a significantly overdrafted guy. Yahoo's got him ranked 78th, so they're expecting a significant jump up in his production from last season. I think it's going to go the other way, and he could lose yeah, half a minute, one and a half, two minutes, even on his playing time this season, plus the age-related regression in terms of blocks maybe even further coming down he's less interested in grabbing rebounds and if if the shot falls off at all then he's in real trouble um what do you look at with uh with surge this season do you think that he is going to be i guess limited a little bit more with those wings and playing more of those small lineups whether that's uh, og at the four whether that's Kawhi at the four as well is that going to have an impact on abaka and we're going to see him more at center how how are you looking at his season uh in uh, 2018-19 yeah, Serge, it's, it's, he's tough to evaluate because the, the taste left in your mouth from Serge is what he did in the playoffs where he was unspeakably bad, got benched, and just really didn't factor in whatsoever into either series. He was just absolutely miserable. So it's hard to really gauge what he's going to be. I don't think he's going to be that bad coming back, but I do think there's a real chance for him to really slide down the hierarchy of the Raptors' bigs. 
Because Pascal Siakam is really good, and yeah. he is a guy who I, you know, I almost made him the guy that I think will be the breakout for the Raptors this year. I ended up going with OG. I almost kind of regret it because I think Pascal is just it might be even a bit more offensively refined than OG already, and I just think he's going to have a big season. He's going to be very important, and I wouldn't be shocked if we see, you know, Serge might start, and I, I, we talked about the starters briefly. I, like I. I, again, I don't think the starters really matter for this team all that much. I think it's going to be kind of, you know, night to night. I think Nick Nurse will experiment. I think he already said that he thinks he has six starters on this team. And I think he's going to, you know, not be beholden to having the same starting five every single game. So I think we'll see that changed around based on the matchup quite a bit. And Serge might be the pivot guy in a lot of those lineup decisions because you can make an argument that, you know, maybe the best Raptors lineup available to them is Serge at center with. OG Ananobi, Kawhi Leonard, and you know Danny Green, Kyle Lowry, or DeLon Wright, Kyle Lowry, Fred VanVleet, whoever you want. But Serge at center next to OG and Kawhi could be really dangerous. You know, Serge has been pretty good as a, as a center in small minutes. He didn't play a ton of it last season. I kind of wanted to see a little bit more. And in those situations, there was always the concern that he was going to get out-rebounded. But I think he kind of acquitted himself reasonably well in those situations. And honestly, the closer you can keep Serge to the basket without having to have him roam around, I think that's probably a good thing. So if he's playing center, he's in a position that where he's more likely to succeed, I think. And I just, I, but again, I don't really know how to peg where he's going to be you know, fall in line this season. And I do think there's a real chance that his minutes kind of slip and Pascal Siakam just supplants him as the number two big behind Jonas Valanciunas. In an ideal world, I would, you know, I'd like to see Serge just play mostly half of his minutes at center and, and start, you know, not have him start, um, you know, have OG start at the four, have Serge come off the bench and just be the backup center full time and, you know, maybe get around 20 something minutes doing that and sort of, you know, fill in some minutes at the four here and there. I don't think that's going to happen just because they signed Greg Monroe and he's going to get some minutes here and there. And I just think there's such a logjam of wings. There's so many, there's so much positional overlap here that, I'm not sure you're going to be able to be rigid in any single rotation decision that you make. So I don't think that dream of having Serge just be the full-time backup center is all that likely. And so, again, it's not really helpful to say. I have no idea. It's so confusing. I would stay away from him if I'm drafting in a fantasy draft for sure because there's just so much unpredictability there. And like I said, I think there's a real argument to be made that by December we'll be looking at him as the third best pig on this team. And Pascal Siakam will have you know shot well past him because that dude is very exciting. And I think he's going to uh, quickly you know siphon off Serge's minutes if – he shows the level of development that I'm kind of expecting to see from him this year. Yeah, I think that's a real real uh, possibility that these guys could end up playing equal minutes or Siakam even going ahead of him. Siakam's game is nowhere near as enticing as, say, a fully functional Serge Barker for fantasy. <laughs> He's a guy that you know, struggled shooting three. He doesn't have a massively high block rate, although it was pretty high in his rookie year and came down pretty significantly last season. He's you know, not, not the hugest of rebounders either, but does have a nice field goal percentage and then struggles in that free throw percentage area. But someone who is in, in his third season a real option to, to take that step forward and, and leap forward and, and be an interesting pairing in that front court with Ananobio or with Valentinus depending on how they want to run things we know his energy is high and he's an interesting type late round fly but Abaka's a guy I'm probably going to be avoiding in most fantasy situations um I've already talked about I really like the value of Kawhi Leonard and Jonas Valentinus on this team I think Abaka and Fred Van Vliet seems to be ranked too high as well at 101. I don't really understand what uh, the guys at Yahoo are expecting there. He was the 181st ranked player last season, played 20 minutes per game. You could easily see that number increasing, but 
Again, it may not because they still are stacked there. There's Lowry, there's Wright, there's Van Vliet, there's Green. There's all these guys there. So he's not going to be coming in and playing 26 or 27 a night. I wouldn't think he's going to be in that role and close some games. And some nights he'll play 23 minutes. Sometimes he'll play 19 minutes. I don't understand the rank of 101 for Van Vliet. Unless you see a difference in his role, I don't really see him taking a massive step forward in terms of playing time from last season. Yeah, no, I think he's just going to kind of be the bench general, and that's going to result in a very similar season to what he was last year, and he was really effective, don't get me wrong, and he played a lot of crunch time, and he was such a useful guy, and you could argue that maybe he was the third or fourth best Raptor last season, third most important even, like, he was really good. But yeah, I think he's probably a better like NBA player for a second unit to sort of shepherd them along through a game than he is like a you know huge stats fantasy guy. Uh, just because, like you said, there's just so much competition there, and there will be nights where I think you know I think Dwayne really loved Fred. I, I'm sure Nurse loves Fred as well. It's hard not to love Fred. He's awesome, but I do think there will be nights where Nurse won't you know be beholden to the same rotations and we'll be like okay delon's having a good night let's roll him out there and fred's minutes will be cut down it's just that's just how it's going to work i don't think nurse is going to feel like he has to give guys a certain amount of minutes every single night it's going to be based on what's happening in the game and sort of the run of that game so um and fred a lot of times overlaps with kyle and if kyle's gonna you know again i don't think kyle's gonna play more minutes so maybe fred that's an area for him to get a few more minutes if kyle's gonna have it scaled back even a little bit more but yeah, I think it's going to be a very similar season to last year with Fred. He'll do a lot of featurey, cool interviews where you'll hear about him and his barber. I'm not sure how uh, how much he'll be as like a fantasy asset. Vevleet is he's got value. Delon Wright, all these guys. If they played 30 minutes a night, they do have pretty significant fantasy value. Just getting to that opportunity. Same with Wright. Again, we we're in a similar scenario. Maybe he gets a couple of extra minutes, and if that opportunity arises due to an injury, and we're seeing these guys push up, then their value is is pretty solid. We know Wright can you know, get steals. He blocks shots at a high rate for a guard. His shooting has improved. Van Vleet's a guy who hits threes at a high rate. His steals are pretty good. You know, really good free throw percentage, solid free throw rate as well. But the one guy I think we really do need to touch on before we wrap this up is Danny Green who comes across from the Spurs I didn't like the way that he was used with the Spurs the last couple of seasons Popovich seemed to place a lot of the blame uh, on Green for for many things that happened with the Spurs and he'd often sit him for complete halves at a time his minutes have been all over the place I think they'll be a little bit more consistent he's always been that you know one of the best shot blocking guards in the NBA a triple one sort of a threat. And I think he does actually play more minutes this season than he did last season uh, in San Antonio. But that's not to say that he's going to be an excellent fantasy guy. I do think his ceiling is somewhat limited. But as we've mentioned yeah, plenty of times, a Green, Leonard, Ananobi 2-3-4 combination is one of the best perimeter defensive combinations in the entire NBA. So I think we can see some pretty uh, pretty good numbers, uh, at least from the team-wise defensively. I'm just not sure that Green has a huge amount of upside uh, on this team or with his overall fantasy value just because of those other options uh, that are around and with you know, Van Vliet or, or with Dillon Wright getting that extra playing time there. Green only played uh, under 26 minutes per game last season so he while he is valuable he doesn't have huge upside does he Sean no I think if I had to put money on it I would bet that he starts probably start the year but again I think it's going to very very much fluctuate over the course of the year maybe that'll sort of change and wax and wane over the course of the season but I do think when he does play he's going to kind of assume the role that OG had last season of just like dude who stands there and hits threes and defends really well on the other end often defending the best player 
But yeah, I, I just he's going to be a very low usage guy, I think, in this offense, especially if Jonas sees an uptick, especially if OG sees an uptick. Obviously, you have Kawhi there. Like, there's just not going to be that much to go around, and he'll probably like get a lot of really nice looks. So maybe if you're after three point percentage, like maybe you'll have a nice bit of a bounce back there with a little bit less defensive attention put his way, and him kind of being an afterthought when it comes to the Raptors' attack. But I, I do think you know as much as he might play a lot of crunch time, I think he'll just be out there as more of a defensive guy as opposed to being. Being an offensive threat that they go to routinely and sort of run stuff to get like they're not going to run a ton of like run Danny off a pin down and try to get him an open three like that's not going to be a big part of their offense a lot of what the Raptors do is just you know their shooters will stand around and wait for threes to come to them and usually they're open and they'll try to hit them if you're Pascal Siakam you won't hit them Um, maybe (laughs) Danny Green will but yeah I don't think he's going to have a ton to do with sort of the possession to possession machinations of the offense yeah, that's exactly what he is. You know, those blocks are really nice, steals and threes. That's all really useful, but the upside for him is pretty limited. They did sign Greg Munro late in the process, but again, Siakam, Ibaka, Valanciunas, I think all three of those guys are ahead of Greg Munro in the center rotation, and I don't believe that Munro, like in Phoenix and like in Boston, I don't think he's going to be an every night part of the rotation here in Toronto. He still has value, and if he does play big minutes, he scores, he rebounds, and he gets steals at a really high rate for a big man, but just with these other guys around, I just don't see it for Munro being an every night part of the rotation is that the general impression you get with Greg yeah if Monroe plays a lot something's gone terribly wrong um <laughs> like I I think he his best use will be guy who plays 10 minutes a night over 40 games and doesn't see action every night and it's kind of just there as an injury or insurance you know if Jonas gets hurt maybe he kind of assumes the Jonas role in the offense which like I said th- I think there could be an uptick there so maybe he'll have a little value during the time that Jonas is down but I don't think Greg Monroe. I don't think anyone has any any illusions about where he fits on the totem pole with this with this Raptors uh, defensive front court. If anything, I I think maybe it kind of pushes Surge to playing more power forward, which I think probably is a bad thing for Surge because I think Surge's best value is going to be coming at center this season. So maybe that's something to consider. If Monroe, you see early in the season, is getting a lot of minutes and just kind of is playing as the de facto center to kind of keep the rotation a little bit longer like the Raptors have done in the past, then maybe that is something you could be concerned about with Surge. But other than that, yeah, I don't think Monroe is going to be particularly valuable. And if he is, if he's playing a lot, I'm not going to be a happy camper because I don't think he's particularly good. Yeah, and I think that's a, a pretty common uh, thought process with uh, with Greg Munro. But just wanted to clear that up because some people look at Munro and think maybe Pistons days or Bucks days and think that he's going to come in and supplant Valentunas and play 25 a night. And look, if he gets 25 a night, then he's useful, but it's just not going to happen. There are other options on this team who suit what they do considerably better. There is CJ Miles, there's Lorenzo Brown on this team. Delon Wright, we've talked about a little bit, but I don't think we need to go into much detail with those guys, Sean. So I reckon that'll wrap it up for the Toronto Raptors season preview. Let us know what's happening over on uh, Locked on Raptors at the moment. Yeah, so I'm starting this week to do a bunch of preseason podcasts. Uh, what I did last year, I'm going to do it this year, just for doing one big preseason question uh, per day over the course of the next month or so leading up to the season. Uh, so you can find that at Locked On Raptors on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. You can follow me at Woodley Sean. I tweeted all the podcasts and all that stuff. So 
uh, please check it out if you're interested in the Raptors because they're a very interesting team this season, as it turns out. I'm a happy camper right now. Yeah, <laughs> one of the most interesting teams in the NBA. This Kawhi Leonard stuff is going to be absolutely fascinating. He is a guy that I am zeroing in on, uh, to use the Woj terminology. I've uh, got a laser definitely focused on Kawhi Leonard in my drafts. <laughs> so make sure, uh, yeah, if you're in that back end of the first round, you're looking at Kawhi Leonard. Make sure you're subscribing to Locked on Raptors and this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify. Give us five stars. It's uh, a great way of helping out the show. You can also find us here on YouTube. Give it a thumbs up. Leave a comment as well. Reminder, Basketball Monster is open. Go and check it out. All your tools, draft tracker, trade analyzer, all the projections, my projections, Kyle's projections are on there as well. Plenty of tools. Go and sign up. I uh, guarantee it'll be the best money investment you make for fantasy basketball this season. Sean, thank you again for jumping on. Of course, man. Thanks for having me. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Kay Felder.